0: About 15 years ago, Denver School Board adopted a new policy direction that led to a wave of school closures, each one dividing its community and leaving scars that still haven't healed. But what happens when a whole school district is closed?
1: Because the district has always had those low ratings. State law was written in a way that requires that the state board step in, but they've been trying to intervene for years in the district.
0: My guest today is Yesenia Robles of Chalkbeat. For years, she's been reporting on the story of Adams 14 in Commerce City. It recently became the first school district in Colorado to be forced into a state mandated reorganization, which could mean the end of Adams 14 entirely. Today is Thursday, June 16th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Yesenia Robles, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you for having me. So in one of your recent stories about what's been happening at the Adams 14 school district, you quoted the president of the teachers union describing the feeling at the end of this past school year as one of heartbreak. Why are people in Adams 14 schools feeling
1: heartbroken right now? There's a lot of mixed emotions, um, but basically the community wants their school saved even if some of them have had problems with the district in the past, the community believes in the new administration, the new superintendent, and they definitely don't want the state to close their schools.
0: Interesting. I was going to say, I I have to say, you know, I grew up here in Denver, and one of my good friends that I went to high school with in Denver at George Washington drove from Commerce City every day to go to school because there was this this like assumption that Adam's 14 schools were quote unquote bad. And I I wonder what that, what that
1: stems from. There is a lot of reasons. It's a lot based off of that accountability rating that the state gives the schools. But even before that existed, there's been times when the district has had that reputation. And it's kind of, you know, one of those things that has various reasons that at some point um, different principals were found to have been discriminating students and families who were Hispanic. At one point, there were principals who really believed the school had gang problems. Whether or not that was true, you know, who knows. But about 3,000 students who live in Adams 14 do not go to school in Adams 14. And for a district that has less than seven thousand students right now, that's that's a lot.
0: Have you talked to any students or teachers or parents about those issues, like how they feel if they really exist, if the gang issue is really a problem, or or how they feel the administration treats the students?
1: Well, those are historical problems; those aren't really recent. But okay. um, definitely, the most recent time that the principal was accusing students of, you know, being gang affiliated. Um, students were definitely thinking that was made up. There was no basis for it as far as students were concerned. But yeah, now there's this feeling that the state ratings are too focused on state tests, the standardized tests, and that those might be unfairly judging the, the students, the school. But I think especially when it comes to students and parents, nobody thinks that the school is perfect
0: I know that this school district does have a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking students. How does language play into this situation with
1: the district? Well, first, first of all, it comes up because historically, when I think the investigation was launched federally in 2010, uh, Spanish-speaking families, staff, you know, put in a complaint with the federal Office of Civil Rights. And they investigated and found that the district was violating the civil rights of students. There were things like they did not let students speak Spanish. They were punished for speaking Spanish. Staff that spoke Spanish with students were discriminated. Families didn't have access to information in a language that they understood. The other piece is just that standardized tests are seen as biased. There's a very limited number of students who can take the Spanish version of a language arts test um, in Colorado. And basically, it's third and fourth graders, and only if they've had already, you know, if they're still identified as English language learners under a certain number of years. So there are a lot of other students who you would say are not deemed as proficient yet in English, but still have to test in English. And so there's a question about whether the test is accurately reflecting their ability to read, to write, or whether it's not completely accurate because they're not completely proficient in the language.
0: This is making me think about how sometimes we talk about these issues of discrimination against students in Colorado, in particular students who speak Spanish how this is thought of as a historical problem. Like it's something that happened in the past, right? I think about with West High School, the walkouts, the treatment of the students there, and that was in the 60s. But this is stuff that's been happening in the last decade to these students. Yes. I I just wonder, there seems to be a lot of pieces, components at play here what do you think the core problem is? Is it the language issue? Is it a funding situation? Is it management? Is What do you think is
1: at the root of it? When I've tried to talk to people about this, it seems like one of the biggest problems, besides you know the possible problems with the actual tests, the actual problems in the district also seem to stem just from turnover. It seems like the administration's come and go, Um, Every couple of years, there's been a different superintendent, and every couple of years that a new superintendent starts, you know, they have these new plans and sometimes new curriculums and new orders for how to train teachers, and everything kind of gets shaken up every couple of years. That was actually one of the things the state board was hoping to correct when they ordered external management first in, in 2018, They had ordered that the consultant company be there for four years as a way to ensure that there was more stability, just one person or, you know, managing the district for for a longer period of time versus these other administrations that come and go.
0: There's a lot of instability, it sounds like. So you brought this up, but this, this consulting firm was brought in a couple of years ago to basically run the district. Can you talk about that Situation with
1: the the consulting firm. Yeah, so in I think it was November 2018, the state board said, "Okay, your current plan to improve isn't working, so we're going to step in and we're going to say you have to have an external manager." And that was MGT. It's a Florida-based private for-profit company, and they were running the district for the first two years, but there that was also during the time of the pandemic. So there's limited data on how they did.
0: And so this is when Superintendent Carla Loría comes into the picture too, right?
1: Yes. MDT's plan all along was that halfway through their four years, they would have the local school board hire a superintendent of their own, as opposed to MGT being the superintendent, and that they would kind of start giving some local control back, supporting them so that they knew how to manage their own district. Mm-hmm. When the superintendent was hired, immediately she started having concerns about MGT, uh, hired, hired a consultant of her own to do an investigation. There's like, this is where it starts to get a lot into like she said versus they said. None of the proof was enough for any kind of charges, but basically she started pushing the company out.
0: Okay. So fast forward to April of this year and this possibility of reorganization or a closure of the whole district becomes really
1: real. How did that happen? So because the district kicked out MGT, that meant they were no longer complying with the 2018 order. So the state board had to Say, you know what what's the consequence or what's next? What do we do if you're not in compliance with that order?
0: And so that's when Superintendent Loria goes in front of the State Board of Education to explain like her situation and present her plan, right? Yes.
1: My first visit to the district was May 22nd. Uh, I came in, I flew in to try to find a place to live, and I actually met with MGT officials there and Ms. Sheila Burke there. We were at Sandia, a restaurant around the, uh, in Commerce City, Mm -hmm. and uh, we met there for approximately two hours. During those two hours, I was asked by um, an MGT official, at least eight times, give us 1.5 million dollars more, this will set you up for success. At least eight times. That was my first interaction with MGT the district helped the people from the community get there they you know put them on school buses on shuttles and brought them downtown to to the state board hearing and so the rooms were crowded Um, people were there they it was the first time they are the state had translation provided i believe for for this community so they could you know follow along with what was happening so it seems like when we look at your proposal, isn't it to hire a district-level manager that also acts as a partner to partner with you to really address specific goals, and your plan isn't fleshed out in terms of detail yet? That is correct. And initially in April, they seemed to say, okay, fine, flesh out your plan, and, and let's see it. That's basically what they voted on in April. They said, okay, your plan sounds okay. Let's flesh it out and bring it back to us in a month. So then in May, when they came back with the full fleshed out plan, everybody kind of assumed that it was going to be a procedural thing like, oh, last time you said we could go forward with this plan. So they didn't have the same like fanfare. They didn't bring everybody from the community and that's when the state said, "We don't like your plan. We're going to order reorganization." And so for some of the community members, it felt like, oh well, we when we were there, you weren't willing to speak up and say you didn't like things. But second, we turn our back. That's when you so that's the way it's perceived and felt by the community
0: and what does reorganization really mean for a school district?
1: Reorganization means that, At a certain point, the district in question, Adams 14, and the neighboring districts that the state board identified have to come together to come up with a draft plan of how they want to change Adams 14. That could mean that they say, well, um, we're each going to absorb one of your schools, or they could say, we're going to shut down all of Adams 14 and split it up into all of the neighboring districts. Or they could say, well, we'll turn to, you know, close all of Adams 14 and start a new district called Adams 14.2. That's also a possibility.
0: So, you know, on paper, I can see where it would make sense, like, oh, we just break up the school district and move these schools into neighboring districts. But I know that that can have a huge impact on a community, Because all of a sudden you may be having to, you know, your students may be having to leave their neighborhood to go to school and that brings up transit issues and economic issues. So how would you characterize the impact of this situation on the community over the last 10 years?
1: I think it has really divided the community. Overall, you see that there's a lot of discussions all the time. Parents who have students in the schools now worried about what will happen and wanting the state to listen. There's also people who have such a pride in their district. Um, You know, they can say for generations in their family, they have all gone through Adams City High School. If you talk to parents, most of them will say they love their teachers. Even if there's district problems or issues, they love their teachers. And they want their kids to keep going to school with, with those teachers. But then some of the other families who have left have had bad experiences or, you know, will say that there are certain problems. And and so even on forums like Facebook and, and stuff, every time there's issues about this, there's there's always this back and forth about whether or not Adams 14 deserves saving. But People are trying to come together. The current administration is trying to bring people together. And for some people, this is the first time they, they've trusted an administration in a while.
0: Well, Yesenia Robles, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. An update on the impending rainbow gathering. The Colorado Sun reports that the massive hippie camping fest will celebrate its 50th anniversary in a remote area on the Western Slope. There's a lot of debate over the Rainbow Gathering's intentions and impact on surrounding communities. But local poet, farmer, and five-term San Miguel County Commissioner Art Goodtimes told the Sun, quote, it's not lawless or anarchy. It's the same kind of freedom that I see a lot of my Trump friends wanting. They want to be free to carry weapons. We want to be free to not. Speaking of carrying guns in Colorado's urban-rural divide, after Denver banned concealed carry in public buildings and parks earlier this year, Nine News reports that Doug Coast commissioners are exploring the possibility of annexing Daniels Park, which Denver technically owns even though it is entirely surrounded by Douglas County. We're going to keep an eye on this one as it develops. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter where today Peyton has a roundup of Juneteenth celebrations and events just for you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. Talk about power trips, Doug Coe. What are you do? What are you guys doing? This is a threat to our Second Amendment rights, so we're taking your bark. <laughs>